Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. information about Redemption Church, please visit redemptionokc.com. You can stay up to date on sermons by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. This is Brian Padgett. Uh, You guys welcome him. Brian and his family came down from Stillwater this morning, especially for us. And if you guys don't know Brian Padgett, uh, get ready. I told him we were going to arm wrestle before, but I'm going to throw in the towel. So... I'm good on that. Uh, But Brian, I want to hear just a couple of things before you kick off. Just tell us how things are going in Stillwater. Brian Pastor's Redeemer. uh, And this is a church that we actually support and have supported over the last couple years. And so we love getting to link arms with what God's doing up there. So Brian, tell us what's going on in Stillwater. And then, man, preach the word. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Thanks uh, for partnering with us, first of all. Uh, we are uh, a, well, we've been there for four years in Stillwater. My wife and I both went to school at Oklahoma State, uh, came back four years ago to plant Redeemer Stillwater, and uh, Jeff uh, Lawrence has been a huge uh, help to me personally, uh, but then as a church, you guys partnering with us has been uh, incredible. And so we're four years there, but we're about to celebrate our second anniversary. So our first year, we, uh, we had to replant after our first year, so... Um, I'm, I'm really good at coming into messes and cleaning them up, and, but I'm not good at starting things from scratch. So I, I just kind of tell everyone I had to kind of screw the first year up so that I could come back in and then fix it. And so now we're, we're good. Um, we've, uh, we've been growing a lot. And so this last year actually was the most we've grown numerically. Uh, but uh, I would also argue at the same time, it's, it's actually the most we've grown probably spiritually and in depth. Uh, there is... Um, very different feel than when we first got started. And so uh, we're, we're not, you know, uh, mega church status or anything like that. But uh, we have, well, every May, uh, our membership gets cut by like 10 people because they all graduate. We have a lot of college students. And uh, so I want to encourage you with that to say this, that uh, college students are about 70% of our membership. And, um, and people say college students don't do stuff like that. And that's just not been our story. And so we're really, really excited about that. Uh, that they're committing uh, and they want to be a part. We're trying to cast vision for that to be a part of local body. And so a lot of really cool things are happening there. Uh, it is the summer. And so like we, we've, we had to move facilities. The school we were meeting in is bulldozing it and building a new one. Uh, so we had to move to another school and now we're, they might not open that school in time. So we might be staying where we're at. We don't really know what's going on. And so it's just this kind of crazy mess. Um, and so like the last few weeks, you know, we've had like 25, 30 people show up. And that's it when we start, you know, and then another 10 show up, kind of like you guys did, because uh, I was here when it started, and about three-fourths of you weren't here. So, yeah, you get real depressed, and then you get up to preach, like, okay, it's not so bad, you know. And uh, so, anyway, uh, we, we kind of go through the summer months. It's a good time for us. I, I get to take a little bit of a break. And so, anyway, uh, really, really glad to be here with you guys. We're doing well in Stillwater. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support uh, and, and your prayers. And if you ever are in town, uh, let me know. Pop in, come visit. If you ever want to come up some Sunday, uh, just see what's going on. See what you're investing in. Um, Man, I invite you to come over. It's not that far away as long as it doesn't rain. So 
because everything's flooding all the time now. So, all right, well, you guys are starting off in Proverbs, so I guess I get the unique privilege of kicking off your summer series in Proverbs. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter one, because it just makes sense uh, to start at the very beginning, right? It's what um, Fräulein Maria said in the first place, was it's a very good place to start. So when you, right, is that, I feel like she was singing about Proverbs. Um, Anyway, so we're going to be in verse seven, uh, and then I'm going to read uh, Proverbs 9, 10 at the same time. Uh, before we get there, though, I want you to just kind of wait for me there. Uh, <clears throat> when Jeff asked me if I could come preach, uh, he said, hey, we're preaching through the Proverbs, man, pick whatever you want. I said, well, we actually just got done with a series in Ecclesiastes this last semester, and one of the, the common themes in Ecclesiastes is this concept of fearing God, right? Uh, and in fact, uh, he's going to say it numerous times there, and then also in the Proverbs, Solomon's going to say it. So I listed out like all the major Proverbs that said the phrase, fear, the, fear of the Lord, or fear the Lord, either fear the Lord or the fear of the Lord. Uh, and it was like 10 or 15 different verses, something like that. And so I had forgotten I sent all that. And Jeff was like, hey, I have all these verses, the ones you're going through. And I was like, oh, <laughs> let's just do two of those. Because uh, there's a lot. And here's the thing with, with the fear of the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, um, is it's not fear like you think of with fear, what we typically think of, what we mostly think of when it comes to fear is really what we'd call terror, uh, right? So there's a type of fear that is terrifying. Uh, I don't have to go into all kinds of stories about what would terrify you. You, you know what terrifies you. But what I want to kind of talk about is this, and, and I want to kind of shape it around uh, familial relationships. So <clears throat> think of it like this. If, if you grew up with a, a father or a mother that you kind of lived on eggshells around, you just didn't know what was going to make them snap. You didn't know where they were just going to blow up on you. And, and it went, it, look, it could range in this room from abuse to just abandonment to uh, you're never enough. Like you're not, you're not, they're not approving of you. You're just, come on, have I not done anything? Can you give me any sort of compliment encouragement? Uh, it, can, it can range there on what that is. But the kind of fear that that strikes in you is this kind of terror. It's an unknown fear. It's a fear of the unknown. You don't know what's going to set them off. You don't know what kind of mood they're in today. And if you go too far, I mean, how do you know if you push the buttons? Maybe you didn't push the buttons. Maybe you didn't wash the dishes just right. Maybe you didn't make the bed just right. Maybe you didn't say hi like you should have said hi that morning. You don't know what's going to set them off. And so you kind of live on eggshells. And there's a fear, though, that begins to direct how you live your life. And here's the point I want to make is this, is fear is probably the number one dictator of the, all the decisions that we make. In fact, I'd probably argue it's probably 90 to 95% uh, of the major contributing factor of any decision you make is going to be fear. Now, that's not a statistic you can Google and find out. Just trust me that it's probably right. Okay, you're just going to have to do that one on that. Uh, there's no way to probably even verify that. But here's why I say that. Think about every decision you make in life, where you're going to live, what job you're going to take, what career, what, what degree were you going to go pursue in college, right? How many kids are you going to have? How many kids are you not going to have? Should I take this job? Should I not take that job? Should I spend this amount of money? Should I give this much? Should I commit that much monthly or should I hold back? Should I save more? Should I do this more? Almost every decision that we make, there is fear that's at the bottom of it. Now, there's a different types of Sometimes the fear that you fear is fear itself and it begins to direct your life. You're so terrified of everything. You've got every security system known to man. You've got every type of insurance. And then you've got a secondary insurance on that just in case. And you, you are afraid of, of fear. I mean, just fear terrifies you itself. But we're not talking about that kind of fear exactly. But if we don't address that type of fear, you don't see it as the counter to the kind of fear that we are going to talk about. 
Because when we talk about the fear of the Lord, here's what we're actually talking about. It's actually the fear of the known. See, we live in the fear of the unknown. I'm going to unpack what that means here in a second because it's going to kind of pull itself out in a lot of different ways for each of us. It's not the same for everybody. But when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're actually talking about the fear of the known. But the word fear, okay, the word fear is going to be this word revere, or we're actually going to see it's actually worship. But I want to read these real quick. I want to read verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, and 9, verse 10. Uh, and then we're going to kind of just unpack what that verse says, kind of look at each of the major words there, and then we're going to start tying into the rest of Scripture, okay? So uh, we're, we're going to roll. You ready to do this? All right. Proverbs 1, starting in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now move to the right and go to Proverbs 9, or just look at the screen. It may be up there. Look at that. It is. Proverbs 9, verse 10. So listen to this one in light of the last one there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. All right. So let's break that down, because I, I want to put these two together, because these are the two that essentially kind of say the same thing, or at least it sounds to be the same thing. They both say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, one says knowledge and one says wisdom, okay? So that's why I want to put those two together, because we're going to talk knowledge and wisdom here. And if you read the Proverbs, right, the Proverbs are full of wise sayings, right? Uh, and, but they're also full of knowledge. And, and Solomon, who's writing these Proverbs, um, he wants us to understand that the foundation for all of this is the fear of the Lord. So if you read the Proverbs, you might get some good nuggets from it. But if you read it outside of the fact that you're to respond, like the, the only way you have access to this is the fear of the Lord, you're never going to understand the Proverbs rightly. You might do them for your own political gain or your own business gain, your own kind of uh, social gain or whatever kind of gain you want to use the Proverbs to leverage you up and prop you up, but that's not what the Proverbs are for. The Proverbs weren't for so you could have a, 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 a completely life free of like pain and suffering and sorrow. If you just do everything in here, everything's going to be wonderful and great. That's not what the Proverbs are, but you'll never know that without the fear of the Lord. Why? Because it's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does the word beginning mean? Let's start there. The word beginning does not mean this is the starting point and then you take off from there. It's not what it means. It means a foundation, right? I'm learning a lot about foundations because we're trying to sell our house and we're trying to buy another house. And I absolutely abhor it. I hate the whole thing. I do. You can talk to my wife. I've never been more anxious in my life. I'm not an anxious person typically, but this, this is the one, right? We've also had a buyer that had backed out on the 10th day of the inspection period. So now I'm dealing with anger issues and all kinds of other issues that have arisen. But I've been learning all about foundations and really more about our roof than anything else. Uh, but the foundation, right, is important because how, if your foundation's a mess, your whole house isn't going to make, it's going to be a mess too, right? We know from Jesus in Matthew 7 that you want to build your house on the rock versus the sand. So when the storm comes, you'll be able to withstand it. Foundations matter. And this is speaking of the foundation is the fear of the Lord. The foundation of knowledge and wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So that's our starting point. There is understanding this word beginning is that that's the foundation. Okay. So the fear of the Lord is the foundation to knowledge and wisdom. All right. Well, let's talk about the word knowledge. Let's talk about the word wisdom. What is knowledge then? It's not cognitive knowledge. It's not gathering information. It's not fact finding. Like, that's what we see knowledge as here in America. Like, education is huge in this country. 
And it's important, right? Education's important. But like in Stillwater, Oklahoma, there are, I think, like five different ways to get secondary education uh, beyond like elementary and middle school and high school. We've got a tech school. We've got uh, some like career paths. We've got like, lo- like learn the rest of your life kind of stuff where you always pay and never get anything kind of stuff. We've got, you know, all that is available. And then there's like a big university there. Education's a big deal in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Education's a big deal in Edmond, Oklahoma. Education is big everywhere. And we want, we want to amass more knowledge. We want to gain more insight. We want to know more things. And that's good. That's not bad. But that's not what this is talking about. This isn't talking about gathering information and having a bunch of statistics and uh, knowledge about stuff. This is actually talking about knowing God and knowing his ways. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing God, meaning if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can't know God. You can't know his ways. They won't make sense to you. The foundation of gaining that kind of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And you're going to see that this word knowledge is actually a highly relational word. Um, and, and so without relationship with God, you can't know God. Now, I'm going to throw another curveball in there for you. You simply can't know God. So good luck with that. <laughs> is that what you all came here for, to be super encouraged? You're feeling really good right now, I can tell. Yeah. Life-changing moment for this guy right here. Oh, I can't know God. But that's the point, is to try to know God. Yeah, we'll get there. Just hold on. But you can't know God, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but you don't even have the fear of the Lord, meaning you can't, you can't know God. We have a major problem on our hands. Now, wisdom is this. Wisdom is also knowing God, but it's applying his ways to our lives. It's living according to his ways. So the fear of the Lord then is the foundation of being able to live according to his ways. Now there's one thing to know his ways. It's a whole other thing to actually live according to his way because his way doesn't make sense all the time, right? His way doesn't make sense. When Jesus comes on the scene, he says, love your enemies. That doesn't make any sense to us. That's just not the normal flow of it. That is not, there's not anyone in in humanity, in worldly wisdom that's going to tell you, yeah, you know, you should probably love your enemies, no, I'm not going to do that. Jesus is teaching something counter. So how are you going to apply his ways? You know his way, but do you know how to live according to his way? Well, that's wisdom, right? So to submit yourself and to live according to his way. Now, I want to finish with that last phrase, and this is the big one, the fear of the Lord. I want to unpack what that means for us real quick. What does the fear of the Lord mean? The word fear here is not terror, okay? It's not talking about being afraid, but it's actually talking about what we would say reverential awe, right? This reverence. If you look it up uh, in the uh, biblical dictionary where they're trying to unpack the word, you're also going to find that actually worship is part of it. The way the New Testament's going to take this word fear is it's actually going to use the word love in place of fear. And I'll explain that here in a second what I mean by that. But I want you to see there's different, when we try to understand what it means to fear the Lord, it is not talking about shrieking in terror and going into into a closet somewhere and hiding from him. That's what you do when you don't know what you're up against. So there's like, so take tornadoes, right? It's the, you know, we all love that time of year. Everyone's with me. Is that your favorite time of year? It's awesome. I love it. My wife absolutely hates it. And now my children hate it. So we're like going to neighbors, storm shelters. I'm still outside standing, waiting till the last possible moment. Like that's me. And they're all like, daddy, daddy. And I'm like, I'm terrifying my kids. I should probably just get in there, but I can't, you know, I can't look away. You know, I just want to see it happen. But anyway, tornadoes are this way. There are some people who know tornadoes. 
the weathermen and women, right? That they, they tell, like, that's why I always, I'm like, I'm full confident. Like, I trust these people and the storm troopers on the ground that are kind of figuring out where they're all at. You know, they're out there doing their job. I've trust those people. They know what they're talking about. They can see certain clouds. They know what's happening. Sure, every once in a while one pops up that they weren't ready for, but mostly they know what's going on because they've studied it and they know it and I trust them. And because I do, I trust what they're saying. And so when they're saying a tornado is going this way and it's going about 10 miles north of Stillwater, I'm not going to freak out and go get in my shelter. I know how far 10 miles is. It's not going to hit us. Even if it's a mile wide, I've got nine miles between us. <laughs> Never heard of the 10 mile wide tornado, so I'm not really worried about it. So I don't get panicked. I don't worry about it. But Because I know what tornadoes can do, I also know that when they come, I have to respond a certain way. You revere it, right? You you respect it enough to go, I need to take cover because that thing would own me. (laughs) But there's others that don't know. And so there's another fear of tornadoes that is a fear of terror. And it creates anxiety, Right? Because you don't know what it can do, and you don't necessarily trust the weathermen and women because, well, how can they really know what it's going to do? Because there has been the instances where it did pop up, and they weren't ready for it, and say, oh, see, see, see? And so you create all this anxiety. And so here's the thing. That's why I had to put those two together, because sometimes we can't separate them apart. We're both afraid of the tornado, but in very different ways. We're both going to actually respond and order our lives around that, but we're doing it from a very different foundation. One is freaked out and concerned, and one is going, I respect it, what it can do. It's big, and I'm small. And therefore, I'm going to go and take shelter when it's time to take shelter. So why do I say that? Because there's a difference in fearing or respecting and revering one when you know them. So the flip side, right? Think about the father or mother that you grew up with. Some of you grew up in a home where you have mad, mad respect for your father or your mother. And you know that they love you and you know that they approve of you and you just look at them and you're like, wow, man, my mom, my dad, they are incredible. And you respond to that. You don't want to do anything to break that love relationship. You love what you have there. And there's this sense of like, wow, that's my dad. That's my mom. That's what's talking about here. What Martin Luther calls this uh, filial or filial fear. It's a relational fear. There's this respect. There's this awe that comes from it. So the fear of the Lord. And how do we know this? Because the word Lord here is the word Yahweh, okay? Who uses the word Yahweh? The covenant people of God. Meaning this, when Solomon writes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge, what he is saying is that the covenantal God, who's, what does it mean to be in a covenant? It means you're in covenant relationship. The only people that could use that word for God were people who were in covenant relationship with him. Meaning the fear of God is tied to this relational element that they already have with the Lord. That God has pursued them, he's made a covenant with them, they are now his people and he is their God. And because of that, they know who he is. He's revealed himself to them. They live in a healthy fear of God because they know who he is. They know he's all-powerful. They know that he is sovereign. They know that he is God of gods and Lord of lords. They know that he created everything in the universe. And they also know that he's gracious, that he is kind, that he is love, that he is compassionate, that he is near. 
They know this because God has revealed himself to them. They know who he is, and so they have this healthy awe, this healthy worship, respect, reverence of who God is, and what their lives were supposed to do is reflect that they believe that about him. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord as the foundation then, it kind of sounds like it's a little bit counter to what we preach in the gospel. We say, no, faith is the beginning. Right? Because isn't it by faith alone that you come to Christ? Not fear. Nobody ever says anything about fear. But listen, some of you have grown up in churches, and some of you to this day, you claim a type of Christianity because you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but the foundation of you coming to the Lord wasn't because you knew him and trusted him. It's because you were scared to death he might send you to hell. That is not what this fear of the Lord is talking about. And you look at our culture. Look at the way we talk about, like the way commercials and everything else talk about uh, God and hell and everything else. And uh, so one of my favorite places to eat at is Torchy's Tacos. Anybody that follows me on social media knows that. I love Torchy's Tacos, but they got a little what our kids call a fire baby. <laughs> We're not going to correct that. That's exactly what it is. It's a fire baby. Um, but that's their logo, right? And here's what's interesting about it is it, the perspective is of, of hell, right, is that it, like, these tacos are so good, like they belong there. As if that's what hell is. It's a place where all the cool, wild, fun, hip, crazy things are happening. Well, that's not what that is. That's one view that you have out there. Another one is this terrifying view. This is probably what you grow. I have met numerous people in my life that said, oh, I came to Christ when I was five years old because I went to a VBS and they started talking about hell and they're like, you don't want to go there, do you? No, I don't. Who? I'd have never met the person that's like, man, I, yeah, that kind of sounds cool. I think sign me up for that. I just don't know. You're like the whole playground's on fire. Are you sure you want to go there? Oh God, no. I, not if they're burning playgrounds, man. Yeah, give me Jesus, I guess. And the entire foundation of their, of their relationship with God is one of sheer terror. You wonder why they walk away from the faith when they get to college. Hmm. At some point, you either just quit believing it because you're like, okay, none of this stuff's happening. Or you just walk away from it because it's so debilitating to your life. And I think that's probably a bigger reason why people walk away is they can't handle the weight of it anymore. You know what that means? You don't know the God of the Bible. Oh, he's just. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hell's real. Absolutely. But you don't understand the God of the Bible. And you live your life in fear just like you would in the home of a father or mother that you're on eggshells with. That's why some people only show up a few times a year. They want to check in with God and just be like, hey, we still good? Because it's still there in them. That fear is a powerful fear. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom knowledge. Now flip over with me. Go to the right. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes. I want you to see this real quick. And then I'm going to tie it all into the, to the gospel here with Christ and, and what all this means. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. 
This is the very end of Ecclesiastes. So Solomon is maybe writing here. Most likely there's someone writing on his behalf that they've been writing all his stuff, but now they're kind of taking this, this kind of someone else's writing here. There's debate over that, but, but the summation is still related to what Solomon has discovered. So listen to what he says here in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether, and every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now listen what happens here. He just says, this is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Basically, the final opinion's coming. The judge is now seated, sat down in his seat and he's gonna read the final verdict. I've, I've examined everything. I've looked at all the evidence. I've investigated everything. And now here's the end of the matter. Here's the final thing after everything. If you've read Ecclesiastes, you know the whole search is why in the world are we here? What is going on? Is there any point to life? And most of the time he's going, no, there's not. It's all chasing after the wind. It's all vanity. It's pointless. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. That's kind of the the gist that's going on there. Now, that's not what he's pointing at, but he's coming in as the skeptic showing if if, if everything itself is an end in itself, this whole place is pointless and worthless. We've got to live beyond the sun. There's got to be something greater out there. So here's the end of the matter, he says. Here's the final result. Here's everything. We've put it to the test. We've investigated everything. Here's what it is. All's been heard, and here's what he says. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now listen to this. For this is the whole duty of man. Now, we have that word whole duty in there. If you have the ESV, I don't know what it is in other translations, but that's not the best translation, the word duty. Duty starts to make you think like this is my job, right? Now, most of us, we hear job, we're thinking, oh, this is something I have to do to get money so that I can live the life I want to live. That's not what the literal translation of this is this. This is, for this is whole mankind. Not the duty of man. Listen, this is what it means to be truly human. This is whole humanity right here. Fear God and keep his commandments. Name me right now the only person on this planet that's ever been a whole human. Jesus. Would you say the summation of his life is that he feared God and kept his commandments? Yeah. He was whole. He wasn't broken. He wasn't a sinner. Adam and Eve started off whole. They were to fear God and keep his commandments. Now, what most of us hear is what the world religions tell you and what every God, he, she, or them has told people for thousands of years because they're under the influence of this dark prince who's over this dark age. And it's this, it's obey God or you're going to get yours. Right? Some of us parent that way, right? Obey me or this. And what we strike in people is this fear. It's how whole dictators get into power because they control everyone with fear. People fear fear. Fear drives so much of what we do. It's debilitating. You're afraid at work to be bold with the faith because what if I, what if I lose my job or what if this person doesn't like me or what if that person? We fear all these different sorts of things because you don't understand the peace and rest that we have in the fear of the Lord because you don't know him. You say, well, how can I know him? There are 66 books of the Bible that let you know who he is. And if you're like the average Christian in this room, you might spend about 10 minutes a week in it. And most of those 10 minutes have already happened this morning. And that's average Christian. That says something about what we really fear. If you feared the Lord... Yahweh, the covenantal relating God. 
then it's going to start to affect the way you live your life. Fear God and keep his commandments. In the New Testament, Jesus says it this way, love God and obey his commandments. That's how Jesus preached it. First John, the whole first John, that's what he's basically getting at. Fear God or, or love God and obey his commandments. This is how you'll truly know that they're in Christ. Do they love God and obey his commandments? It's a life transformed. It's not this, I prayed a prayer, I walked an aisle, whew, I'm not going to hell now. At least I got that much, right? Amen, amen, yeah, whoo. So that when they die, everyone's left wondering, well, were they really a Christian? Well, he did pray that prayer. He walked that aisle. I guess we just need to assume he's with Jesus now. You have no confidence, do you? And you don't know what to do with that. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is what it means to be whole human. Like this has been painful for me. So I was, I was writing this out this week and I told my wife this. I, I just, I mean, it like exposed all this stuff in me because I started rattling off all this stuff. I'm gonna just touch on it here briefly because I, I don't wanna go there again and like break down crying and y'all have to like carry me out of here and everything else. But I started going through all these types of fears that we have, like fear of rejection. Some of you really struggle with fear of rejection. So your entire life is ordered around making sure everyone is pleased with you. You know how debilitating that is? How painful? How exhausting that is? I don't have to tell you that. You know it. I mean, you're just like, hmm. But you wouldn't maybe say that, right? But listen, some of the most major decisions you've ever made in your life all hinged around pleasing people. Some of your fear of humiliation, this is the one that got me. Fear of humiliation and shame, and so you seek power. You want to be first in everything. You want to be top dog in everything because you dare not be humiliated being second or some other thing. You want to be in the seats of power and influence and shaping and molding everything because you couldn't stand the thought of having to humble yourself and be a servant of another. It's debilitating. It's exhausting, but you got to keep it up because if you all of a sudden fall down, it's embarrassing, right? Man, you've been top dog, and now look at you. Some of you, it's fear of the uncertainty, right? So you're a control freak, but that's the way we all say it. Really, it's a control idol. What it means is that you've got to control every little thing in your life. You've got everything ready to go and in place and all this other stuff, and you can't let anyone else in. And then other people are constantly feeling uh, judged by you, put down by you, because they're never good enough, because you would do it a lot better. Just give me control. I've got this. Let me do it all. And you're just panicked all the time. You're always anxious. Or maybe it's fear of like stress and tension and all that stuff. And so you kind of look for this life of ease and comfort, right? Think about your home. It's become a personal retreat. But some of you, some of you have a retreat within the retreat, like your man cave or your lady nest or whatever they're calling that thing now, uh, the she-wee, she-shed she or whatever it's called. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But everybody's got their little retreat inside the retreat, right? And, and what we're trying to do is get away, get away, get away. I want to be comfortable. I want to be left. I don't want any stress in my life, but it's actually pretty producing more stress in your life. You become lazy, you become angry. All of these kind of have some of the same symptoms. But here's the thing, we fear these things and our whole lives are directed by them. And as I started wrestling with it, here's what Tim Keller and David Pallison, these all tie into these what they call four source idols of approval, power, control, and comfort. And I never realized how much, I knew comfort was there for me, I mean, just look at me. Like, you can't hide that one. Oh. But power was a big one in mine. And I tied it back and I realized my childhood, I was usually mostly shamed and embarrassed by the family that I grew up in. I was I had shame by association. And I didn't realize at some point in my life, I don't know when, some point in my life, 
I began to go, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to be in control. I went to Oklahoma State University because nobody in my family, well, people in my family a long time ago had been there, but nobody remembers them. But all my sisters went to Texas Tech, and I'm like, no, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to start all over. Now, I don't think God wasn't working in that or anything else. But God has always used evil to bring about good, and he's used my sin to bring about things that I would have never thought. But that's a big one for me. And I started, as I'm wrestling through this, just confessing, going, God, what? I'm sick with this. Like, it's all over me. It's like, I mean, it is. It's a cancer. It just goes into every part of your life. So go to Colossians 2 real quick, because I want you to see the, the anecdote. This is where we're going to close out here. Colossians chapter 2, Paul's writing to the, or the Colossian church. I'll just start off reading it first, verse 1, just kind of catch us up so I don't start in the middle of a sentence. Colossians 2 verse 1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Now listen to this. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Remember how I said you can't know God? Like you can't know him. Like you, you can sit here all day long and try to obey his commands and be wise and everything else, but without the fear of the Lord, you can't know him and you can't know how to apply his ways to your life. But without the fear of the Lord, meaning to even have the fear of the Lord means you have to trust him. It's a relational thing. If you don't trust God, you're not going to have a healthy fear of God. And so for those that are scared to death of what he might do to them because of their disobedience, it's because you don't trust him. You don't trust that he's a sufficient God who is also the rescuer who sent his son to die for you. If you truly trusted him on that front, you wouldn't be afraid of what hell or circumstance or anything else because now when you sin, you confess and you repent. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Why? Because that's what his word says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what Colossians 2, 3 just told us is that in Christ Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures. You want to have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, put your hope and trust in Christ alone. And they're yours. With the lens of Christ on, you can now read this Genesis to Revelation and it all starts to make sense in light of Christ. He says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So if comfort's what you're after, Jesus is saying, I'm your comfort and rest. How has comfort been going for? How has binge-watching Netflix worked out for your comfort? It's unsatisfying, isn't it? So you got to keep coming back to that well over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's a broken well. Yet you keep coming back to it over and over. Because you just think, "If if I could just have a moment, Right? About two hours of Netflix and a diet Sprite, man. Come on. I don't know who drinks that, but it's sinful. What do you do with that? You're afraid of being humiliated? Jesus took the humiliation for you on the cross. He was literally naked, ripped to shreds, bleeding all over the place. You couldn't even tell he was human. He took your humiliation at the cross and has made you a co-heir with himself. If you trust him, 
if you believe him. You need to control everything. He is sovereign over all creation. He who promised that he will return will return, and he will make all things new and right and glorious and wonderful. Why do you have this need to be in control of everything? Submit to the one who's actually in control of everything. He's not afraid of the unknown because everything is known to him. And all of that is yours in Christ Jesus. You need the approval of men. You've spent your entire life trying to please people. If I dress like this, will you like me? If I wear this, will you like me? If I drive this, will you like me? If I build this house, will you like me? If I take this job, will you like me? I'll give up all the things I want. Just please like me. You have self-sacrificed to death just to make sure everybody's happy. And God is looking at you and saying, my face shines on you because when my boy came up out of the water, I said, that's my boy. And I'm well pleased with him. And if you are in Christ this morning, he He's well pleased with you. What did you do for that? Nothing. So rest in Christ's finished work at the cross. Because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. And he has paid the price so that you could actually now live in the fear of God, knowing him, knowing his ways, and walking wisely in his ways all your days. And when you find that you're not, all he calls us to is confession and repentance. Because Romans 8.1 says, There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the fear of the Lord is the foundation, the the trust and the reverence and the worship and love of the relational God, Yahweh, the Lord, is the foundation of knowing God and his ways and living your lives according to his ways. That's a paraphrase of Proverbs 1.7 and Proverbs 9.10. So here's how we're going to end this morning. Do you fear the Lord? Because if you do, you know that this morning you haven't done a good job walking in, in line with that, right? And because you know him, you know that he's not sitting there with a baseball bat ready to knock you upside your head if you confess sin you know that because of what Christ did on the cross, you have access to the throne room of God by the Holy Spirit to come clean and say, I'm not being faithful, Lord. I'm anxious right now, God. I don't trust you. I'm scared. Fear is driving everything I'm doing right now. I'm not trust. And Lord, will you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? And by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me the strength to walk in faithful obedience to you. And guess what? Forgiven. But if you don't know him this morning, you are terrified because you do think that he might blow up on you this morning. If you confess that sin, if you acknowledge that you've been gone for so long, for so many months, oh my gosh, I haven't been around, I I haven't read my Bible, I haven't done all these other things, God's just waiting to jump. If that's you this morning, can I tell you one thing? You don't know, you don't know God. I don't know what God you're following or who you believe. That is not the God of the scriptures. He did not crush his son so that he could take it out on you later. He took it out on his son so that you could have life in his name. So if you're exhausted, tired, weary, scared to death, 
Can I just say this morning, the invitation remains, today is the day of salvation and Jesus is offering you his blood and his sacrifice and by faith in Christ alone, he's yours. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge belong to you. And if you are in Christ this morning, can we just pray here in just a second? Would you, would you just confess and take some serious time to repent and then begin to live in the fear of the Lord? Love the Lord and obey his commandments because that's what it means to be truly human. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to it. Father, really, that's what it comes down to. We're reading words on a page. We're reading about history, things that don't make sense. We're trying to imagine walls of water going up and a whole group of people walking on dry land. It just seems far-fetched and out out of there. It doesn't seem to make any sense. We have these stories of giants and them falling. We have stories of people in a wilderness and eating uh, bread that fell from heaven. They didn't even know what it was called and striking a rock and getting water. These things just don't make any sense to us, God. We have stories like there's a guy that died and rose from the dead. And it's crazy making if you're just reading words on a page. And I can see why people would just walk away from all this going, okay, this is just a bunch of mythology and it's a bunch of garbage. Or... We truly believe that this is your word revealing who you are. And because we believe that, Lord, we want more of you and we don't want to do anything to break that loving relationship that you have purchased for us at the cross. You redeemed us, you reconciled us, you've rescued us in Christ Jesus. You have done everything according to your word. This is who you say you are. And so that we can step out in faith and say, all right, I'm going to trust this God. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to submit to his commands. I'm going to do what he calls me to do. Because I believe that he's good and I believe that he's righteous and I believe that he's holy and just and gracious and kind, that he's creator of all things, sustainer of all things, the sovereign one over all. And I pray this morning, Lord, those who believe that would confess and repent with their sin and those who don't today, they would. That you would be worshiped, God, both now and forevermore in our hearts, in this city and in this world that you've created. We pray it all to the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.